coming up on Guys Talking Sports. We talk about Ezekiel Elliott signing his max extension with the Dallas Cowboys. We also talk a little bit about the NFL and what's, what's to come now that the NFL season begins tomorrow. We also talk about the college football. The new college football rankings is out after week one. You still have Clemson at number one, Alabama number two, Georgia number three, Oklahoma number four. We're also going to talk about Notre Dame and why they're so highly ranked when it comes to the college football polls. And we also talk a little bit about the Major League Baseball. The New York Yankees now have the best record in the major leagues. We're going to talk about why they have the best record in the major leagues. And if there's any way that the major league teams will be able to stop the New York Yankees come late October. My co-host, Adrian Catwell and Earl Ross, join me out quarrels on Guys Talking Sports. And that begins right now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Guys Talking Sports. Appreciate all the love and support out there from everyone. But for right now, we're going to get right into it. We got a lot to discuss. So got my co-host with me. I got Earl and Ace. What's going on, fellas, man? How you guys doing? Anybody want to speak? Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> Chilling like a villain, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm just trying to be courteous. Let the let, let brother E just you know bless the bless the airways with his uh, smooth and relaxing voice. <laughs> no, uh, nah, I'm doing good on this um nice uh, Wednesday evening as it rains outside. Oh, it's raining out there! Wow, I wish we got some rain. Yeah, I wish we got some rain. <laughs> same here, same here. Um, so let's get right into it. We got a lot to discuss. So, without further ado, let's talk about. The big news of the day, which is Ezekiel Elliott agreeing to one of the biggest contracts around six years over a 90 million extension um, with 50 million guaranteed. Um, with all that talk about, you know, who's going to cave first, looks like the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion. Um, I think Zeke came out the big winner, but let me ask you, what are your thoughts on this whole deal and what does that factor in? What does that put the Dallas Cowboys now that Zeke is back and ready for week one? Well, I think I think everybody knew eventually that the um, the deal was going to get done. And it was just a matter of question is how many games it might take before in the regular season it was going to get done. Um, I always kind of felt like he was going to be back for that Giants game. Um, just, well, really, I figured he's going to be back by the start of the season only because those first two games were two divisional opponents. Um, and so the last thing you want to do is go and start the season – you know, 0-2 in your division or really 1-1. One one. If they're looking to make that playoff push, I think they needed to have Zeke in the building much sooner than later. But Zeke got his money. Um, you know, he's, he's the highest paid running back, you know, in, in the league for right now. Um, I think Ty Gurley uh, got his contract a couple of years back, which gave him $45 million guaranteed, and Zeke gets $50 million guaranteed. Um you know, so he's going to be under contract um, through what 2026. Yeah. Uh, yep. Depending on if he stays with the Cowboys, in my opinion, is he will not see the length of that contract extension and his current contract. I get the feeling he'll be out within the four years, but um, he got his money. Um, he jumped the line. Um, 
two years, you know, two years before he was due his um, compensation. But, you know, the running backs in this league, you know, their value is not is not as looked upon as heavily as your quarterback or your, you know, defensive lineman or your wide receiver. So, you know, kudos for Zeke getting his money. I'm sure Jerry Jones didn't want to give him all that money based on all of his off the field antics. Um, and I'll tell you this, Zeke, trust and believe you jumped the line. This is the last contract you're getting from Jerry Jones. The last contract you're going to get from him. So you got 50 million. That's it. No more. Once it's done, if you're still with the team, you ain't getting another contract. Not like that. But, um, with all that being said, you know, it's, what can you say? Uh, he, he went into the off season. He's been in Cabo working out. Hopefully we'll see. Well, the real question is, come the first game of the season, how much he's actually going to play? Because he hasn't played any kind of preseason snaps, no workouts. So I know there's been some chatter um, about how much usage he's going to get in that first game. Are they going to try to ease him in? Um, or are they going to throw him to the, the fire? But, you know, you know, kudos to Zeke for securing that bag, getting his money, and uh, especially before the new collective bargaining agreement kicks in, because once that goes into effect, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of changes on how this pay scale stuff gets um, gets adjusted. So uh, good for him, and we'll see how it looks good for the Cowboys, you know, a year or two from now. <sighs> Um, again, I'm happy for Zeke. Uh, I don't know what the Cowboys are doing, throwing all this money around as if they don't have a salary cap, but they still got Dak and they still got Cooper to sit there and worry about trying to get on the contract. So I don't know what the hell they're trying to do with all this money that they're flashing. So I am curious to see how their mathematicians and all their uh, financial uh, analysts are trying to work the numbers and making everything work. Uh, do I believe Zeke is worth it? Um, I'm not saying that running backs or anything of that nature shouldn't get paid. Obviously, you know, Todd Gurley got his paycheck and that all ended up last year, but I don't think the running back position is a position where they, uh, it's it's a position where GMs and owners moving forward will covet as one of those type of positions that they got to secure and lock down to throw a lot of money at. I think how the role of the running back nowadays in today's NFL is going to go. You select a running back, you get him on that rookie scale, and the hell out of him for the first three or four years on that rookie scale, you let him go. You let another team pay for him. Um, I understand that Ezekiel Elliott is a one-of-a-kind type of a back, you know, not those type of backs that come around every so often. That is a lot of guaranteed money to throw at a, at a position where if he takes one bad hit, like a girly, you have a, you have a running back who, who you're paying X amount of money and – you're not seeing any dividends coming, you know, uh, being produced from him just because he can't produce on the field. So, again, Zeke and his agent played this perfectly. 
They didn't. Uh, they didn't hurt. Their, they, they didn't hurt themselves in the preseason. They worked out with uh, Marshall Falk. Got his mind. Got his body right. So hopefully he comes in and he can from day one just go out there and just be Zeke. I just hope and pray that Zeke can go out there and and and, and evade that, that perfect hit that might derail him and derail the Cowboys season because I'm not wishing injury upon anybody, but. All it takes is one bad one bad hit, and an NFL player's you know season damn their career could be done. And of course, Ezekiel's going to get paid, but then it's the Cowboys that are stuck for X amount of years because they got to sit there and pay the man. But you know, who am I? Zeke, congrats! Go out there, kick ass. Hopefully, you can do well against the Giants in the first two weeks, and you got to keep it moving. Not too well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I completely agree with you, Ace. Um, I really believe that Zeke and his agents did a, a, a fantastic job at this stage. Um, he avoided the preseason, <laughs> kept on working out, um, didn't have to be there for training, you know, the um, OTAs and everything from the start to the finish to where he got to right now. I think that it was a great job from Zeke Elliott's um, team and Zeke Elliott himself. My concern is is with the Dallas Cowboys and their management um, because I'm not saying concerns, but the fact is that all this talk about, you know, not giving players what they're owed and it just kind of seemed – I get it. I, I, if that's how you feel about Zeke Elliott, that's fine. Um, but it just – I guess with all the talk about putting your foot down from Jerry Jones and how he handled other players and their contracts, um, I guess it's more of a bit surprising that he actually gave the amount of money that he gave to um, Zeke Elliott. Not saying that Zeke Elliott is not deserving of it, um, not by at all. I'm just saying I'm just a little surprised that – Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones didn't, I guess, fight for it or negotiate it to a point. It just almost seems as though he was just like, we always knew we was going to give you this contract. So it's just more so it, it, I don't know, just something about it just didn't seem like Jerry Jones was at this point cared. Um, he just cared more about getting Zeke Elliott back into the hunt. And it just played like with every other player that he was playing hardball with. It just seems as though that, it was surprising that it wasn't as difficult as that it was for Seek to get the money that he was requesting. Yeah, and I think this also kind of gives an indictment on how the rest of the contracts or the big signings is going to have done. I think uh, if you look at Dak Prescott, I mean, you, you saw the deal that um, that um, Derek Goff, yeah, just got. Um, he got a four-year extension, $110 million guaranteed. We saw Carson Wentz, you know, a few months ago, got his contract extension, which is a little bit less than 110 million guaranteed. So, you know, if you're Dak Prescott and his management team, you just saw Zeke get paid. You know, you're going to be right on Jerry Jones' door, you know, the following day talking about, look, you saw what, you know, you saw what these two got. You know, 110 is probably going to be the starting, <laughs> the starting negotiation point. So, um, I think, in my opinion, uh, that team was built to run. It wasn't built for Dak Prescott. It was really built with a strong offensive line and a running game. Um, 
I don't think that uh, if, I guess if Jerry Jones had that much um, faith in Dak Prescott, he would have probably went ahead with Dak being the man and still going with Tony Pollard. Um, because you look at, because you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know what they got with um, Ben Roethlisberger, headache and all. You know what you got with those wide receivers, headache and all. And Le'Veon Bell, you know, went, and he was on, uh, you know, he was about to become a free agent. When he went there and sniveled and said, I want, you know, X amount of dollars, and what did Pittsburgh do? Eventually they let him walk. They got James Cromer, you know, James Cromer in there. He, he provided an adequate spark. After by midseason, it looked like they didn't need him. But it just means to me, like, the Pittsburgh Steelers had much more faith than Ben Roethlisberger, where they can say, you know what? Le'Veon Bell was, you know, a top running back in the league. We don't need him. And they let him – well, they wanted him, but they didn't have to, you know, overjump and give him that, you know, big sticker price. Then he went to the Jets and got lower than what he got. I think if Dak Prescott was that man that you thought he was – then I don't think Zeke would have got that 90 million or maybe he would have waited a while to see how the season goes and that they were able to get by with Dak and Tony Pollard, then they would have been like, you know what? We got you for two more years. You got you for two more years and two franchise tag years. So they could have definitely held out and waited on giving them his money. I agree. I agree. But what do you, okay. So what are you going to do with Cooper? Yes. Well, Cooper is getting 14 mil right now. So he's not, he's going to get some money. He doesn't need it right now, but he's going to get his money. He's getting 14 mil. So he's not crying at the moment. However, I think he's kind of waiting to see where Julio Jones slides in there. Um, you already saw what Michael Thomas numbers has got. I guess you want, and you saw Odell got. Now you want to kind of see where Julio Jones falls in there so he can get in that top five plateau. So if I'm him, you want that contract, but I wouldn't do it until either Julio or somebody else gets that contract so you know where that top and bottom between one to five sets at. So let me ask you guys this question. Do you think that now that with Ezekiel Elliott back, do you think that the Cowboys has a legitimate shot of not only just making it to in the playoffs, but going at least a distance? Um, not saying Super Bowl, but at least the Eastern Conference. I mean, Eastern, the NFC Conference <laughs> Championship. Uh, a lot of, lot of, lot of teams in the NFC. Um, uh, still got Green Bay. Still got, still got LA. You still got the, you still got the Eagles. Um. I'm not saying that they – I'm not saying that – believe it or not, Earl made perfect sense. It all hinges on Dak. If Dak can sit there and be that quarterback when he came in as a rookie and kind of manage the team and utilize his weapons the way he wanted to utilize them, I can see Dallas going pretty far. And he does have the security blanket back in Jason Witt. So, can I see Dak doing well enough? I'll put it like this. If Dak goes and leads them as a quarterback and takes them to the NFC Championship, you best believe Dak wants to get paid. 
And that's going to open up a whole can of worms for Dallas and the organization just because now they got to sit there and worry about how the hell they're going to play Dak. And they're still going to have to turn around and play Amari just because. That means Amari would have had to have a pretty damn decent year too. Dak is out there producing numbers. So quietly as kept, the Dallas Dallas wants to do well. I kind of honestly believe that they probably don't want to do as well as what the fans probably want. Because they want to, they, they kind of want to see that it's more Zeke than Dak. They can sit there and legitimately say, well, it was Zeke that did all this. And, you know, you kind of did a little bit of something. So you don't warrant a $110 million contract. But if Zeke go out, but if Dak go out there and really ball, Dallas got some problems. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you two ways. I. It depends on if they if they, if they win a division, because um, you still got the Eagles that's still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, if they win their division, um, then they got they definitely have a good shot at the NFC Championship game, Super Bowl possibly. But you still got a lot of good teams, like you said, in there. I mean, you still got you know Chicago Bears. I think is going to be um, one year experience. I think Trubisky, you know. Got a nice good year under his belt. Oh, yeah. LA, yeah. The LA Rams are still out there. Um, and the LA Rams ran that rock down your throat. And it wasn't Ty Gurley, it was CJ Anderson. So we'll see what happens with them with Ty Gurley. Um, like you said, Green Bay and and and, and Seattle. It, it's it's hard to say in Saints, but I don't think the Saints are gonna do what they did, replicate what they did last year. But um I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, if the um, Dallas Cowboys can make it to the Super Bowl, that has to be a lot better than he was last year. He can't be the prototypical game manager, which sometimes he falls into. He doesn't kill you with, like, snaps. He's very efficient. He doesn't turn the ball over a whole lot. He does make some dumb mistakes sometimes, but you know, he, doesn't, he doesn't turn the ball over a ton. But look at the um, New England Patriots. I mean, Tom Brady was a sling and a rock, like, you know, all the time. They had a good running game, good defense. But, you know, when they need Tom Brady to pull the rabbit out of his hat, he always did. If that could do that and the Dallas defense, you know, is what people think they are, then I give them a legitimate shot to make it to the Super Bowl. But Dak and that defense – have to step it up because the running game is, is going to be there irregardless. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with you on that. Um, to be honest, I, it's too many good teams out there in the NFC for me to completely put them in there as with the NFC. I agree with both of you guys. Um, and I, to be honest, I'm very leery in regards to how the rest of the offense produce. Um, with Dallas. So I would have to see a couple of games before I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt that I'll make it in. Um, to be honest, I would rather see a couple of games. Um, by week three, to have some type of idea, week four, to have some type of idea where these teams is going to stand, where the teams that we talk about ranked in the NFC and in the AFC, are they really what they say they are or are there going to be some problems before it even weeks one starts or by week four. So we're definitely going to be intrigued to see how the NFL season starts, but NFL season does start this week. 
So I think everybody's excited about that tomorrow. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. So with that being said, everybody's going to look forward, see if the predictions come true, see if, you know, what all these teams that made changes, if they hold toward or to advance them to where they need to be um, for the NFL playoffs and possibly going forward to doing something more. Um, Any other questions in regards to it? Like any other comments that you guys want to make about the NFL? Um, in regards to the Dallas Cowboys or just in the NFL in general. That's foosball time, man. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's 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 time to, you know, it's time to put up a shut up for a lot of teams. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see um, what does Patrick Mahomes does for a second act to see if he's going to, you know, not – I don't think he's going to exceed what he did last year. I think he caught a lot of teams, you know, off guard. But I want to see if, you know, he's going to put up some really good numbers. Um, I'm curious to see if um, Carson Wentz is going to <laughs> make it through a whole season. Or if he's- oh, no, I, I hear you. I'm just curious about his uh, Carson Wentz understudy down in Jacksonville. I want to know if he can uh, sustain – uh, some some pretty good uh, greatness considering he's on a different squad outside of Philly. <laughs> well, Leonard Fournette comes back and he was the beast that he was two years ago, and that takes a lot of pressure um, pressure off of, um, Nick Foles, so he doesn't have to be the man. So I think the the Jacksonville Jaguars goes as Leonard Fournette goes. Does, Jackson, does Jacksonville play Eagles this season? No, the um, NFC East plays the AFC East. Okay. Wow, so they play Baltimore. Ah, yeah. Say it again? So the, the Eagles will be playing Baltimore this year? Uh, no, the AFC East. Baltimore is not the AFC East. They, they get the pick, um, Pats, the Bills. Oh, yeah, sorry. And the, and the um, Dolphins and the Jets. Oh, right, right. right. That would be interesting. But I'll be – that would have been more intriguing. I think that would have been a must-watch game if the Jacksonville was playing Philadelphia. Oh, that would have been. I mean, the man coming back to it, I think more people still in Philly, from my opinion, prefer, you know, Nick Foles over Carson Wentz. I mean, Jesus, the man, you know, <laughs> got them the chip. I mean, be it four games he only played, he played <laughs> some four games. That, well, three good games. Actually, let me take that back. He played two really good games, a Super Bowl and an NFC Championship game. Right. Uh, the playoff game, he kind of sucked. The defense is what uh, kind of propelled him to the next round. Yeah. That is true. That is true. Um, but I'm definitely intrigued about that, too, because if Carson Wentz goes down again, <sighs> Philadelphia, I can just hear it right now. And I'm, you know, in Central Jersey. I can, well, North Jersey, but I can hear Philadelphia fans go ballistic if Carson Wentz goes down again. So, my, in, I'm intrigued for the fact that I just want to see if Carson Wentz can stay healthy. Um, Carson Wentz can stay healthy. I think that'll be a plus for Eagles fans, no matter where they rank. Um, but I know that they're looking out for you know more than that. If they're saying that Carson Wentz is the the their guy then he better make sure that they at least make it back into the playoffs. <laughs> I, I, I can see Eagles fans like saying they they better make it back to the playoffs at least. That's pretty much. He just got himself a nice, you know, shiny contract extension, you know, mm-hmm. 
you know, a couple of months ago. So, and they got rid of Nick Foles. So it's, it's time to put up a shut up, Mr. Carson Wentz. That's cool. That's real bold because, uh, this is, you might as well say it was a season and a half that he couldn't stay. He, he hasn't been a hundred percent. They're putting all their eggs in that basket. And, uh, I'm not saying he's fragile, but you know. No, he's fragile. <laughs> he's been injury prone since college. Yeah, he's fragile. Okay, well then he's fragile. <laughs> and to be honest, you would think that they assured that O line to, uh, to bolster it a little bit better. I'm not saying that it's not good, but I'm saying that he's going to need all that protection he can get. Well, hell, you got one of the better offensive lines in the NFL. But, yeah, I mean it's. It's still it could well I'm I'm, I'm it all it could take all it takes is one hit. One good hit. I have a feeling. Well, that's what any player in the NFL, you know. Yeah. And that's why I say I, <laughs> I take back about the O line. It's just I he just has to stay healthy. Like that's just like you putting all like you said, Ace, they putting all their eggs in one basket with this. Mm-hmm. If that goes they're gonna Eagles fans are gonna want blood. <laughs> Well, they signed uh, – they, they lured the old, old boy out of retirement. So, you know, uh, they got a golden boy back there. They ain't got Fritz, they ain't got Fitz Magic, but they got their own little other golden boy that was the Jets QB last season, and they lured him out of retirement to, to be a backup. So, they got their old – I forget his name. Uh, they got their old man QB just in case when Carson Wentz goes down. Personally, I would have held on to old boy uh, Nick Foles uh, for one more season, just to make sure his knee was right. Uh, if you, it sucks that you guys sit there and dedicate that much money to a QB position. But if you're the Eagles and you have aspirations that playoffs just aren't good enough for your squad, then you need to make sure that you got the right backup QB that can uh, help you keep going if something should uh, go wrong to your starter. <laughs> I think. I think, I think they wanted to, but I think Nick Foles at, at, at this point – no, he did kind of say he wanted to kind of retest the waters of being a starter again. I think if he came out and said, I'm comfortable being a backup, you know, whatever money you give me, they would have. But I think he kind of wanted to, you know, try try his hand again at being a starting QB. And the Eagles invested a lot to get Carson Wentz uh, up until he got injured in that, you know – LA Rams game would look like it was paying off. So I guess at a certain point you gotta kind of take all the distractions out and I wouldn't give him a contract extension until maybe after this season. Thank right. you. Thank you. However, I they did what they did and now you gotta hopefully he can go last a whole season. Yeah, because that'll be another thing that Eagles fans would go ballistic about, about the extension that you gave without even having assured that he was gonna be there for a whole season. Um, or at least making it to the majority of the season. And I think that that is going to be one of the other things, items that the Eagles fans is going to be gripe about. But I, I think that with that's just one of the small things about the NFL that I'm going to look <laughs> forward to. Um, definitely seeing – I'm definitely interested in that, per se. Um, all the returns of people that left, um, how Le'Veon Bell is going to produce with the Jets – um, this whole thing with Antonio Brown, is it really going to be done now that he has a helmet in place? And nope. <laughs> so, so you don't think it's done? <laughs> huh? You don't think it's done out? I mean, 
it's not done now. No, no everything is done, but as far it's, as his antics, no. Odd antics, yes. It's just another day in the office for for Antonio Brown at this stage. I, I, at this stage, nothing would surprise me. And to be honest, nothing would surprise me with the Oakland Raiders. Um, the whole dealing with Marshawn Lynch last year, now with Antonio Brown, I think, I think, I think it kind of suits. They're like a match made in heaven at this stage. But we can talk more about the NFL because the NFL is definitely going to be the talk of the town for the next couple of months, um, so to speak, um, on this podcast. Um, but we're going to jump right into real quick with the college football. Um, <laughs> Ace's face lit up with that. So um, with the college football in place, the new, 20, the new rankings is out. And the significant jump was the Auburn Tigers jumping from 16 to 10 after they win against, um, I believe it was Oregon. So any surprises that stand out? Because majority of everything stays status quo. Clemson is still number one. Alabama is still number two. Um, Georgia is still number three. And Oklahoma is still number four. Um, do you see, I mean, just off of the first week, um, is out of those four teams, do you see one of those teams actually moving up or been, you've been a little bit more impressed with or maybe you've been a little bit disappointed in as far as some of the things that you saw out of the first four teams or any, any teams in general? Um, um, <laughs> I don't see anybody in the ACC really putting up any type of uh, – any type of uh, giving Clemson any sort of pressure to possibly upset them in the ACC. Um, as we can see, the SEC is is top heavy as usual, but they have their usual suspects that is kind of bringing out a league. So I don't see Alabama having any real hiccups either. Um, who's number three? Number three is or I mean Georgia. Uh, no, I don't see Georgia. No, I, unless Georgia plays Alabama in a regular season, I don't see where they'll have any real hiccups. And then you have Oklahoma. Oklahoma is the cream of the Big 12. So do I see Oklahoma losing? Uh, maybe to Texas, but highly unlikely. Um, so do I think all four squads can go undefeated? Yes, that's the question, Max. It's a possibility. Um, highly unlikely. Um, Alabama looked real suspect against Duke in the first half last week. <laughs> but they got it together somehow, you know. Um, but if they play somebody who has a semblance of an offense and somewhat of a defense, and they play that, that, that poorly in the first half, they may not come out as, as lucky as they did uh, against Duke. So uh, Clemson is Clemson. Um, Georgia's Georgia. Georgia, Alabama's cream of the SEC. Uh, Oklahoma's cream of the Big 12. Uh, <sighs> I don't know, man. It's just the same four or five, six usual suspects every year. Ohio State is going to have some sort of say um, midseason because it's just Ohio State. And Michigan is undefeated. They're going to have some sort of say, you know, say. Um, Notre Dame, too. Huh? Notre Dame, too. 
Uh, Notre Dame keep winning. Yeah, they, they got a hell of a schedule, man. I hear they play five or six ranked teams starting next week. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Uh, I hate to be a voter uh, just because, you know, there's certain blue bloods that's always going to sit there and always going to be the cream of the crop. But, you know, there's, there always has to be some sort of David out there that can slay down the live. So if any team going against any one of those five, six, seven top teams has a great day, plays a perfect game, anything's possible. But unfortunately, teams like that can sit there and take a loss and still manage to still somehow creep back up into the top four anyway with that loss. So. And the only way to knock them out of the top four is, like, they'd have to lose twice. And I just don't see any one of those teams losing twice unless they play the same team twice. That's within the top four. <laughs> well, and I found, congrats I, to RU. I found it boring as hell, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Wake me up when something interesting happens. And when I mean something interesting happens, I guess, wake me up when it comes time for the – the conference title games because as of right now it's it's boring <laughs> absolutely boring well hold on <laughs> i thought the west virginia james Madison game was quite exciting <laughs> there are going to be some exciting games but i mean when you start looking at the top of the standings boring okay these i mean nobody in the acc is really going to threaten um, Clemson at this particular point. I mean, who was their biggest threat out in the out, out in the ACC? Uh, who? Syracuse. Uh, um, uh, um, Pittsburgh came off the coast last year. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it's supposed to be Miami, Florida State. Um, Miami, Florida State, uh, Virginia Tech. And we saw you saw what happened to Florida State. <laughs> you saw what happened to Miami. <laughs> you saw what happened to Virginia Tech. <laughs> That's why I said it's, it's boring. I mean, well, I'm looking at it at the top of the, I guess, the, the, the top ten. Yeah. I don't. There might be some movement and changes from five to ten, but from one to five, I don't know. Like, like you said, Ace, only like Oklahoma is probably Oklahoma depends on Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts can 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 I don't think he has to replicate the numbers that Baker and Kyler had, but I think if he plays consistent games against the ball downfield, then I think he keeps it right in the mix. Texas is probably their biggest, their uh, biggest, in my opinion, threat in the Big 12. But outside of that, I mean, um, to me. The SEC, you nothing's going to be interesting until you get to the SEC championship game, which might wind up being Georgia and Alabama, unless Georgia or Alabama loses. Um, outside of that, I mean, I'll be more interested in the teams from like you know ten to twenty-five that you know there seems to be more interesting games. But everything at the top is just like I don't expect to see anything drastic happen unless there's a big big serious upset. Like you said, Ace, a Clemson or Alabama will probably have to lose one, uh, have to lose a game to a really unranked team because if they lose a close game to Georgia or something like that or a close game to a conference title, 
or, or a top five team, then you're going to say, well, they're going to give them that good loss instead of a bad loss, which is always, to me, ridiculous. A loss is a loss. It's not good or bad whether you lost by a point to Georgia or you lost by, you know, 10 to TCU. It's still a fucking loss. However, in Notre Dame, Notre Dame should be barred from the um, playoffs for the next couple of years because every time they get in there, they get blown away. There's all this hype about the Irish going in, and once they get into the um, BCS playoffs, they get blown out. Uh, that's because for Notre Dame standards, they have quality players. But then when you start getting down to the nitty-gritty, the top four, then you're talking about they don't have the speed or the athleticism to match up against their opponents. And that's the problem. And I think that has everything to do with the fact that they're not affiliated with the true conference. I mean, well, no, I was going to say that, yeah, in football, they're sort of affiliated with the ACC, but are they really affiliated with the ACC? No, but when you get into basketball, who are they with? ACC. So it's like. (laughs) But in retrospect, you would think that if they're big, if Clemson's biggest threat would be Notre Dame, if Notre Dame was really truly in ACC football, but they just aligned themselves with the ACC to play ACC, I think four or five ACC opponents, but they're not even, they, they don't even affect the, the uh, ACC championship game. Which, yes. Which am I, which I think it would strengthen the ACC. And I think the Irish is, you know, bid to get in the, um, the playoff game a little bit more if they would align themselves with the ACC. And now when you have Clemson in there, which has won a you know, national title what, in the last two out the last, what, three or four years? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would just make their case stronger and that would make the ACC case in football as a whole stronger. But they don't want to give up that independent money. They're an entity, you know, it's like you have all the Power Five conferences and then you got this six you know, team that wants to call itself his own conference that always seems to get in the big dance and screws over other people that are much more well-deserving. And that was my question in regards to, like, how is it that Notre Dame gets to the point where they're highly ranked when they really don't have any credibility behind other than the wins and losses that they have as a team? Like, yes, they play some, like you said, they do play some ACC games, but if they're not affiliated, how are they ranked so high to the point where they're ranked higher than some of the teams that are, are affiliated? Like, all these other teams that are affiliated with the Big Ten or the ACC should have much more weight over Notre Dame when it comes to football, but yet Notre Dame is still highly ranked each time, no matter who they play. So I guess my question is, is that how, I guess, it's more so how is it that Notre Dame is ranked that high? Like, is there some type of – it can't be the strength of schedule because they don't really play like a powerhouse of conference teams. Well, that's not, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> okay. Um, they do play the likes of USC. Um, they play – okay, let me – Well, do they play – so do they play powerhouses of different conferences? Yeah. Or put them together? Yeah. Well, like A said, this year they got some doozies. I mean, you know, their third game is going up against Georgia. Yep. That's going to probably be a loss. They got Michigan there um, a few weeks after that, um, right after USC. Uh, that might be two losses or one and one. Um, they end up with Stanford. And outside of that, then you have, you know, I'm looking at the schedule now, Duke, 
Navy, Boston colleges, all should be wins. Stanford, it depends on how nicked up some of the teams are by the time you get down to that last week and who wants to, you know, not play and save themselves for, you know, whatever. But uh, they have, I think this year, I think they have a, a much more tougher schedule than they have in the, in the past as far as teams. Yeah, but they being aligned with the ACC, they playing the, the, the cream puffs of the ACC. Now, I'm not saying anything bad about Duke because Duke has been pretty good recently. But Boston College hasn't been Boston College like the past couple of years. They're playing Virginia Tech and they're down. They're playing uh, Virginia. Virginia. I mean, they were all right last year. But I mean, they play Bowling Green. They always play Navy. Um, but those are your, I guess, to add to your point, I guess, because of Notre Dame's uh, history, if you want to call it, and that yeah. constant following. You know, if your team, whoever they play, is going to play Notre Dame, they're bringing all their fans to the games. You're getting all the TV coverage. You're getting all that money, you know. They set up shopping, you know, uh, Bowling Green. That's that's a big payday for them, um, you know. So they just – it's the name of Notre Dame that just keeps I, them in the news. But that's my point. Like, I get it, but I just think that it's not – it shouldn't – they're gonna have. I think there's. They need to prove more than what it is that they just by name alone. Like there are times when I'm seeing them highly ranked, and they may have lost like three or four games, but yet they're ranked over some of the quality teams who are a part of a conference that may have a better winning percentage than them. And well, my gripe goes back, and this is an old gripe. And Adrian, okay. Adrian, I think you can you can attest to this one. Notre Dame has gotten lucky. But they were, in my opinion, part of the reason why the Big East as a football conference failed. Now, if you think, it's taking years ago, you had Miami, um, you had Boston College, you had Virginia Tech. If you would have had uh, Notre Dame in there, as you know, as you know, as well as football, because they they kept the money with basketball. But if you would have had that as football, that's a pretty good conference in his own right with even Miami and Notre Dame at their heyday. You would have had that locked in the Big East, you know, years ago, back when they were going back and forth. That would have, I think, strengthened the conference and brought some other teams instead of them eventually getting cherry-picked to death, you know, and the Big East, you know, turned into, what, the Atlantic Coast Conference eventually? Oh, uh, American, American Athletic. <laughs> American Athletic Conference, yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Um, and West Virginia in the mix, so just imagine all of that. Oh yeah, you, you're talking about you're talking about class. You, you got you can't forget Syracuse. You can't. Yeah, forget, yeah. You know, shoot, you know, Rutgers, Boston College, Syracuse. Uh, Maybe they could have wrangled in a, a Penn State, but I think Penn State stayed in the big. But the Big Ten wasn't what it was. Exactly. Now. That it was ten to fifteen, ten to fifteen years ago, at least fifteen years ago. If what it was that at that time Notre Dame was the only school out there that really had that lucrative TV contract, and they weren't trying to come up off those dollars, sign with a company, <laughs> and then 
the SEC went and did and formed their conference and started getting their little TV media rights, and then that's where shit went downhill. <laughs> and you can't blame you can't blame uh, Syracuse, Miami, Virginia Tech, uh, Boston College. You can't blame those schools for wanting to jump ship and go on and try to get that, try and get paid. But you're right, the Big East. If they could have took, if they could have got Notre Dame in there. They might have swiped the Penn State. They might have swiped another regional school. Maybe could have gotten a Virginia or uh, well, Virginia ain't sexy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but they might have swiped somebody. Might hell, they might have turned around and took Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio State. They they might have. You know, you never know. Yeah. yeah. But either way, yeah. if they would have, if if they could have been forward thinking and tried to be like the SEC try to secure some sort of TV deal and when it started really getting paid, the Big East would have been magnificent. <laughs> Everybody would have been clamoring to get into the Big East trying to go to ACC or ACC. But we're in the Big 12 country now. You guys are in the Big 10. Came off a nice, nice, healthy word against you guys. Congrats. Kudos. Yeah, well, that was they're, they're lucky. Very fortunate with UMass <laughs> with their quarterback. I give I'm giving Rutgers a 35 percent chance of beating Iowa. They can't spot Iowa 21 points and expect to come back like that. True, but True. I think I think Rutgers finally found a quarterback. He got a gunslinger, somebody who ain't afraid to sling the rock, and you guys have established at least one wide receiver. Oh, the kid McLean, I think his name was. No, Bo or some McLean is a quarterback, I think. Oh no, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I can't think of his name. But I know you're talking about, yeah, because yeah. you have running backs and studs. If y'all can get one more wide receiver and get y'all tight ends in the mix, Rutgers is going to be all right, man. Your defense, your defense is going to break. It's going to probably have some time for the breaks. Yes. <laughs> the offense is not bad. The offense can put up points. It's just a matter of can they sustain, you know, when a team scores, can they turn around and score right back? That's the question. <laughs> Life of Rutgers is always either defense is good and no offense or offense is good and no defense. And right now, like you said, to me, the offense uh, was better than the defense. But if the defense cannot allow, you know, 21 points, you know, actually the, the, the QB can't have four fucking interceptions, excuse me, three interceptions in the game. Because once you get into the meat of the Big Ten teams, you throw three picks. You basically, that's it. <laughs> yeah, the team throws three picks as well. Exactly. 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 I I I I I foresee Rutgers possibly losing this game, but it's going to be a lot closer than what people will get credit for. If y'all lose, I'm thinking it's going to be like a 24-20 type of game. I can see that. I can see that too. But if, but if y'all win, it's going to be on some close shit. <laughs> it's going to be like some 17-16 type. It ain't going to be no blowout. It's going to be like some last play field goal heroic type of thing. It's going to be real close either way. Hey, 
I think the defense is going to come and play. It's going to be like a last-second interception for Iowa tries to score on a game-winning play. That is what I foresee. Rutgers is <laughs> leading that game all the way up until the, the, the last two minutes of the fourth quarter, and then something crazy happens, and then Iowa marches down, kicks the field goal, and that's it. Game over. What <laughs> that gives y'all hope. That means y'all can sit there and hang with the upper echelon of the Big Ten because you got to give Iowa is part, probably one of the top seven teams in the, in the Big Ten. So that means you guys can hang with them. Now, mind you, you're probably going to get – your asses are going to probably get wiped through the floor with Ohio State, Michigan, without a doubt. <laughs> Penn State, too. <laughs> Michigan State, too. But you know, should be able to be <laughs> I was like, I'm not even watching that. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pass over that, those weekends. I didn't really watch the UMass game until the mid-third going into the fourth quarter. You uh, probably like, oh, snap. <laughs> I saw Rutgers trending, so I was like, let me check this out, see what's going on. I saw the score flash. It was like 21-0. to zero. I was like, oh. <laughs> then I came back, and they were like, you know, ahead. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> yeah, but. We could talk more about the college football scene as well as the NFL because yeah, – Wait. <laughs> we're just getting started with that. Quick um, comment. Ace, what's up with your uh, Yankees? You guys uh, – I think, was it, um, Aaron Boone should be the one to get the uh, coach of the year with all the uh, players that's going back and forth and who's calling up and down. You guys have what? If not the best record in majors, the second best record in majors? Yeah, yeah, the Yankees are actually pretty, playing pretty good. I, you know, considering all of the injuries and considering the pitching woes that they've experienced throughout the years, and Cashman standing pat and not doing anything, I don't know if he's a genius or he's stupid. <laughs> because if – I'm not saying the Yankees are going to win anything. I don't know because it's all about pitching. And right now, Houston probably has the best pitching hands down. Yes. Um, but if the Yankees should get past Houston, make it to the World Series, uh, Cashman got to be like, got to be like a damn cult cult hero, uh, whatever. Because as bad as the pitching has been, and they still managed to parlay their way into a World Series. Um, that and just so many players that's up there hitting clutch home runs. And I think they, they lead the majors with at least, I think they got like 15 guys with over 10 home runs, mm-hmm. something like that. It's, a, it's an awful lot. Maybe 15 is too many. I saw, saw some sort of stat. But, I mean, you look at uh, Aaron Judge. He's up to 20 home runs right now. And he's starting to knock them out pretty regular. So he's still got uh, quite a few games in September. He can mess around and get the 30 home runs, and considering he missed almost half the season. <laughs> and you ain't even talking about uh, uh, Stanton. <laughs> Who's, what, still on IR at the moment? Right. <laughs> Think about when he comes back. <laughs> the Yankees are going to be like the modern-day murderer's row. <laughs> I guess the only good thing about the Yankee state of play at this particular point, you know, is that with a, with a, you know, Carlos Stanton, the way they're playing gives them the luxury of not having to rush him back sooner than he would like to. So he can take all of his time, 
getting prepped because I think right now, I think you're in September. So right now, all their focus is on what lineup you're going to have come October. Yep. And I think that's really what's going to be important. Um, I know the hitting is always going to be there. The offense is going to be there, but the pitching definitely needs to be worked on. Um, and they really got their work cut out for them. They can't go into the um, playoffs with the, the pitching that they have currently as it stands right now. Um, they definitely need to improve. Not saying, like, improve on, like, a player perspective, but that pitching does need to improve for the team to have better success. I mean, on paper, when you think you got uh, Tanaka, they have Paxton, Jermaine, um, as your top four or five pitchers, then you still got folks in the bullpen uh, Batances is still hurt. He ain't been back yet. They still got some uh, setup men that are still hurt. Considering everything that had went down, even Chapman was hurt at some point. And they still got 92 victories because they won tonight. <laughs> Boone should be coach of the decade with the, with the <laughs> <laughs> because there's, there's no way. There's no way that he should, that this, this team should have been that good. He pushed all the right buttons. And they called up all the right players at the right time. They send down players and they call up players and they all seem to produce some big moments. Um, think so it's that, I, you think it's that system, the Yankee system that they got going in place? I think what it was years ago when the Yankees went off and they realized they weren't going to make the playoffs and they sold off a lot of assets. Got all those uh, top draft uh, top uh, picks from uh, other teams' farm system, and now those are the players that are actually putting the numbers for the Yankees. And they had the nerve to get some of the damn talent that they sent off back. <laughs> and that's the crazy part. Like they shipped Chapman off, and Chapman was like, "Yeah, I'm coming back. I'm gonna sign back." <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go ahead and grab these prospects, and meanwhile, we're gonna get Chapman back too. I mean. The Yankees is it's almost like the, if the Yankees were playing chess while the rest of the league is playing chess. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they're going back to the formula, you know, back to, I guess you want to call it the Yankees' heyday back in the, what, the early 90s, you know, or maybe not even the early 90s, but was it the um, the mid-90s, um, you know, where the farm system, you know, brought up all the guys that got them a couple of chips, you know, the farm system that had, a, you know, Derry Jeter in there and the rest of the crew. So, I mean, it's – that's how they did it years ago when they had that dynasty. Um, it was the farm system that paid off dividends. Like you said, they decided to dump some assets, you know, you know invest in the farm system. They haven't made any, outside of Carlos Stanton, um, really, they haven't made any major, you know, knee-jerk moves to sign anybody. And like you said, you don't have to give up any of your young assets. And now when you got a lot of people get going out injured, you can call it down to you know, you know, to to the miners and pull up guys, and they come in and they step in and produce. So now it's just like you have a wealth of talent. <laughs> what is that lineup going to look like? You know, when it comes time to really, um, when it comes time to really, you know, get into the thick of things in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's it's good to see that it's working out for them because right now, like you said, they have one of the best records in the major leagues, and We'll see how this can if this continues directly into October because with everything that's going on 
we all know that pitching definitely is what's going to make the team um, and put them in the World Series hunt. So it's the pitching that's really going to carry the team over. So we'll see how everything comes back to, to, to the front in October. Um, we have a lot to discuss. Um, we have a lot to talk about with the preparation. Week one just ended with – I mean, it's about to begin tomorrow – College football, week one ended, week two is about to start. Major League is about to get into October with the playoffs. And we have tons of things to discuss. But um, for right now, it looks like our time is up. <laughs> so let's let let the folks know that where they can reach you guys at. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter. That's CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Graham and Twitter, uh, J.E. Roster number seven. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. I'd like to thank everybody for checking us out. You can reach us on SoundCloud. You can reach us on Google Podcasts, Apple, iTunes. You can reach us on Spotify. You can reach us on YouTube. You can reach us on Instagram. You can reach us on Twitter now. So we are all over the place. Um, we thank you for checking us out. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for all the love and support. Please reach out to us. Any comments, questions, concerns, anything that you want to talk about, you know, we're just here to talk about sports and just keep that conversation going. But for now, without further ado, we'd like to thank you guys for checking us, guys, on for sports. Until next week, you guys take care. God bless and have a good one. And the Yankees do have the best record in the league baseball. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.